coaches. Then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. Welcome to another episode of the Just Blog Baby podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Park, and joining me as always is Nick Jeltness, the editor-in-chief of Just Blog Baby. We also have the Colossus of Clout, <laughs> the Sultan of Swat, the Titan of Twitter, my man Ryan Lopes. 40s, man. Ryan, how are you guys doing today? Man, uh, yeah, doing depressed still? Yeah, hell yeah, mad depressed. Uh, you know, I, I feel like this episode might sound like a group therapy session. As as bad as it was after we lost uh, Derek Carr, I, I don't. I, I didn't think it could get worse, but you know, here we are. Here we are. Yeah, I think I'm. A, I'm with you on the uh, group therapy session. I'm actually myself just laying down on the couch, going to kick my feet up and just talk about all my problems. Yeah, this is the first. <laughs> this is the first game this season, man. Where, um, yo, before halftime, man, I. I, I cut off the TV, man. I bounced. I bounced. I had to. I had to sit down at 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 a later time, later date. Run and kind of run back the the second half, man. Shit was, shit was hard, man. It was hard. It was. Uh, it was pretty brutal. I uh, I mentioned last week that we were one play away from having Connor Cook as our starting quarterback, and I might have jinxed it because here we are with Connor Cook as our starting quarterback going into Houston. But before we talk about that. Let's talk about the rest of the offense first on Sunday and how they performed. We'll start with the run game. Uh, it was a rough day for everybody, uh, backs included. Ryan, when the run game was needed to step up, uh, how disappointing was it for them to like put together like such a poor performance? Yeah, it was. Uh, I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna kind of branch off a little bit on this one too. Um, first of all, obviously, huge disappointment, uh, completely inexcusable uh, on on Musgrave's part uh, to 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 throw in the towel so quickly on the run game when you need it, you need it now more than ever. Um, obviously with, with Derek sidelined. Um, I know there was kind of some back and forth going on uh, on Twitter. I know, I know Jack Del Rio and his, and his presser, he uh, to, to some, I guess we can call it, you know, he, he more or less threw Musgrave uh, under the bus and, and asked, you know, and said, Hey, you know, uh, you know, Murray only had X amount of carries, you know, I, I would like to know, you know, what, what happened and why. And I know some fans, um, you know, kind of took that the wrong way and, and, and rightfully so uh, for the, for the most part, um, Musgrave has been stellar. Uh, the offense has been stellar. Um, so I know that, I know that kind of rubs some fans the wrong way to me. I, I was kind of happy to see Del Rio speak up. Um, and I know some people said, you know, you got to kind of keep internal stuff internal and, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the more I got thinking about it initially, I was like, you know, cool, Del Rio putting his foot down, you know, hopefully that changes some things going to Houston, et cetera. And the more I got thinking about it, I kind of thought like, damn, like Del Rio is behind the podium, obviously head, head coach hat and all that, but he's got to kind of, he's got to kind of look at his own self and look at his own unit. You know, here he is a, a defensive, a defensive coach. And and for the most part throughout the season, defense has been up and down. Now, whether that's a majority on Norton, some on Del Rio, regardless for me, this is a head coach that is, you know, a defensive minor coach. Um, so that, that was a bit of a interesting kind of turn to, to kind of add to going into this, this, this playoff game here. So uh, again, a little bit off topic slash on topic there, but uh, to answer your question again, a uh, huge disappointment and, and hopefully they, they get shit right. You know, the offense only ran the ball 16 times. Did did the Raiders not run the ball enough, or is it not that simple? What 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 happened there? I, I guess the best way to answer that question is initially, I I was pretty upset looking at the box score that the Raiders only had 16 carries because I think going into the game everybody was in agreement that you know with with McGloin being the starter that that we would have to rely heavily on the run game. Um, so you know you, you definitely expected them to get probably twice as many carries as 16, if not more than that. Uh, but then I started to think about it and realize that it's not that simple because pretty much what the Raiders faced, I, I ran the game back, pretty much what the Raiders faced virtually all game long was eight-man fronts and sometimes even nine in the box. Um, and, you know, with just five offensive linemen, you can throw a tight end in there. I mean, the numbers aren't going to work in, in your favor of the offense if, if the team is stacking that many bodies in the box. So they were... 
doing everything they could to make sure that the run game wasn't going to get going. And, I mean, that's exactly what happened. Um, so f- the fact of the matter is that they only had 16, 16 carries, I think probably speaks to that, is that they were averaging 3.4 yards per carry on the day without DeAndre Washington's 20-yard gain. That was the longest run the Raiders had. That average actually drops down to 2.4 yards per carry, completely abysmal. So with having eight, nine guys in the box, what do you expect Musgrave to do just to, to keep keep rolling with that, keep facing those nine-man fronts? Um, you know, it was just a matter of the offense simply just being shut down with that Derek Carr is really all it was. Yeah, it's basically the Broncos challenged. Uh, they wanted to challenge McGloin's arm, and it, it worked. So, uh, but speaking of the you know, McGloin's arm, the production of the wide receivers is, you know, heavily dependent on quarterback play. Uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts on how the wideouts perform? They seem kind of invisible. Yeah, I mean, you kind of you kind of alluded to it right there, right? It's uh, again, I, I said it last week leading into the into the Denver game, the drop off um, clearly from a player like Derek Carr, who MVP candidate, et cetera, et cetera, to a player like Matt McGloin, to a player like Connor Cook is enormous. Uh, that 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 gap is huge you're going to see a drop in play across the board which we did so to some of us most of us that wasn't a surprise um i there might have been some people that expected you know mcgloin to maybe you know set the world on fire or whatever obviously some expectations needed to be kind of adjusted or re, re readjusted <clears throat> um i mean as far as the wideouts man I'm, I'm i'm looking at it right right in front of me right here you know crabtree 50 yards cooper 39 yards roberts 26 yards um again i think given the drop off and and given who we have under center now uh i'm not sure really that we're expecting these these big numbers um i was excited to see uh, i guess cooper came out uh today in a in an interview and said he's going to go into this go into this playoff game demanding the ball um which he he said something along the lines of it that's not selfish for for great players to demand the football which i was very happy to see so hopefully you know cooper's going to you know take derek's abs- absence and try to maybe find some other confidence within himself to really kind of, you know, stick his hand up and try to make some things happen. Just to, uh, to add to that real quickly, I just wanted to say that um, I really didn't have any problem with Crabtree or Cooper's performance. I mean, the numbers don't, don't pop out of the box score, but uh, as Dylan kind of alluded to in the question, I mean, that their production is, is obviously always going to be directly tied into the performance of the quarterback. Um, Crabtree and Cooper both had eight targets and a lot of those were, were well-earned targets, meaning the ball I don't think was being forced to them. I just saw a lot of the times both Crabtree and Cooper were getting open. I mean, there was a play early in the game where Amari Cooper completely cooked Tlaib. Uh, had him beat, was have been an easy touchdown if, you know, McGloin would have delivered the, the throw, you know, on the money. Um, and there are three other, three or four other throws that McGloin sailed and probably two or three passes that Connor Cook sailed. So I think Crabtree and Cooper did their job. They were getting open. Um, you know, it's just a matter of the quarterbacks that played weren't able to, uh, to, to find them or, or hit them when they were open. I'm going to, I'm going to call a timeout real quick here. Uh, Let's talk about Talib's chain snatch on Crabtree for a second. Now, I I don't like to be a I don't like to be a snitch, but man, that was some petty ex girlfriend side chick behavior. Uh, and for, first of all, how was that not a penalty? You know what I mean? Like what? I I know the ref saw that. Like how could you have not seen that? Yeah, it happened right in front of the referee, right in front of him, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I really don't even know what to say about it. It was it was the craziest, one of the crazier things I think I've seen happen in a game. I mean, to leave, to li- like deliberately, that's what his goal was. I mean, he even said as much after the game that he told Crabtree he was going to rip his chain off just because it, it annoyed him. <laughs> um, so, I mean, pretty, I think pretty ridiculous for him to, to have to take it there. I mean, I don't know if maybe Crabtree was in his head and, and I think subsequently – I think maybe it flipped into Leib's favor after that because Crabtree was trying to kind of get him to to push him and, and draw a penalty and and didn't retaliate. But yeah, it's, I'm I'm definitely excited for the next time these two meet up, uh, which definitely will uh, you know we'll see next year. I, it'll be fun. I just want to add, um, you know, uh, prime time Ryan is kind of is kind of the the head honcho man, the 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 de facto leader of the Michael Crabtree chain gang, you know, uh, uh, on Twitter. So as soon as that should happen, man, 
I reach I reached for my phone as quick as I've ever reached for my phone. And I said, I gotta, I gotta talk. I gotta I gotta have Ryan's reaction to this. And and my man certainly didn't didn't disappoint. He was he was he was on Twitter asking everyone for the for this dude's whereabouts and where he lays his head and shit. So <laughs> Alright. Uh so back to more depressing topics. So it's two two games in a row now that a quarterback for the Oakland Raiders has been injured. It might be easy to point fingers at the offensive line, uh, Ryan. What do you think's going on here? Is it just bad luck? Uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, uh, I, I I guess Derek. Um, I guess we kind of undervalue maybe what Derek's doing in the pocket as far as stepping up and kind of and kind of working around a- any pressure. And again, to to be to be very clear, there's been very limited pressure compared to other quarterbacks throughout throughout the National Football League. You know, this offensive line has played you know top notch football from from week one. Um, so, I mean, I, I, again, I guess it's probably a combination of, you know, Derek just, just being obviously the, the better quarterback and being more mindful, better, better pocket presence. And then, you know, just the way things have been going for this, for this franchise as of late, uh, you probably mix in a little bit, of, a little bit of, of bad luck between the pinky, then the fibula. And now obviously the second string quarterback getting knocked out too. So it, it is what it is, man. Yeah, I just wanted to. I just wanted to say that I, I definitely think it's just. I mean, it it definitely is bad luck and and really nothing more than that. Um, one of the Raiders PR guys tweeted out that the uh, the offensive line only allowed 18 sacks on the season, which is the the lowest in the NFL and the lowest that the Raiders have recorded since the stat became official in 1982. I mean, so these guys were phenomenal week in and week out. It was just a matter of one bad luck sack that Penn gave up because he slipped that Derek ended up getting hurt on. And then, as Ryan pointed out, I think a lot of it probably has to do with, uh, with McGloin getting injured um, with – Derek, how you pointed out that he just got you know better pocket uh, maneuverability than than McGloin does. Um, I think maybe on that particular play, that's that's probably a a play where Derek maybe steps left, steps right, whereas McGloin, I mean, he just sits there and takes that shot and, and gets driven into the ground. So um, yeah, just bad luck. I think back to back weeks in, in that regard, and, and nothing more than that. Yeah, I mean, we've mentioned it a few times uh, earlier this season in the podcast. You know, as a Raiders fan, you're you're kind of just waiting for the wheels to fall off. And you know, we went through the entire season. It was an impeccable season. It was it was better than anyone could have hoped for. And here we are, a week before the playoffs, and it's just it's a it's a complete nightmare. But e- even then, you know, headed into the game, uh, optimism took over. You know, Raider Nation is that fan base who you know that always stays optimistic. Um, they kind of they kind of talk themselves into liking McGloin or believing in McGloin, and myself included. And then the game started, and <laughs> that faith evaporated very quickly. Uh, you know, like it, I, I don't know if it's too soon, but just like George Michael's, Here we that go. faith was gone. Here we go. So, <laughs> uh, but what went, what went wrong for what went wrong for McGloin? Uh, Nick, you go first. I think I think the better question might be what didn't go wrong for McGloin because that's that's really the kind of day it was for him and and pretty much exactly like you said I mean a lot of the fan base really started to talk themselves into McGloin um, probably even more so than than they should have which you can't fault them for I mean I'm not going to fault anyone for further optimism uh, but I think that's really all it was it just was optimism you know talking yourself into yeah, we don't have Derek Carr, but we'll still be fine. I, I think was may, maybe nice to say, but I mean, this is the NFL. It just it doesn't work that simply. Matt McGloin, he's been a preseason Hall of Famer, but as I tweeted out early in the game when he started struggling, I mean, this this ain't the preseason. Um, he, he very very clearly had the yips. It looked like he was just he was completely shook. He uh, was sailing passes, looking like a deer in headlights out there, just completely lost. Um, and, and for a guy who's been in the system since 2013, been with the team, been with the players, I mean, that, that was, I think, really, really disappointing for him to just have that bad of a, that bad of a game. I mean, what did he end up having? It was like 6 for 11 for like 21 yards or something like that. Just a complete disaster. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that faith that evaporated. That's such a Matt McGloin box score. Completely, yeah. So that, that faith that, uh, that Raider Nation had coming into the game uh, went south right away. I, uh, I ran a poll after the game 
Um, who would you rather see, McGloin or Cook, uh, start? And with over 1,500 votes, 88% of people voted for Connor Cook. So just as quickly as, as Raider Nation bought into McGloin, they turned on him even faster. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's just the kind of day it was. I know the homie on Twitter, uh, Eric Stoner, a.k.a. Bo Jackson, tweeted out something uh, after the game along the lines of, you know, all Matt McGloin had to do was was play competent football for like three quarters or a better part of three quarters. And he probably would have been looking at a cool like seven, eight million uh, over 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 the offseason. So uh, obviously came out completely flat. Of course, he got hurt. But uh, even prior to the injury, man, I, there was that one series. I think, Nick, you talked about it before where he missed Cooper high. Um, on a clear touchdown and the three passes before two passes before that he he, he missed his wide out high it was three awful pass I've never seen I've never seen three worst passes in a row uh, I mean Matt McGloin he's a backup for a reason right that's saying a lot considering how many quarterbacks we've had run through here in the last 14 years but that that performance was, was up there with with the worst of them it was it was up there Connor Cook came into the game and, and definitely looked better than that um and, and I think part of it might have to do with the fact that Connor Cook actually has started a football game. Um, you know, he started a football game last year. Uh, I can't remember the last time Matt McGloin started a football game. So really, if you think about it, you know, his layoff has been shorter. But talk about what you guys saw from Connor Cook and how would you grade his performance, you know, for being a third string quarterback who's just tossed in to a game against one of the toughest defenses in the league. Um, I think the biggest thing with, with Connor Cook for me, and and Dylan just just alluded to it, um, you know, third string quarterback, uh, Matt McGloin wasn't getting any practice reps, you know, in the in in the off season. So Connor Cook definitely wasn't getting any practice reps. I know Donald Penn came out and said, uh, you know, the week leading up to the game, that was the first time he heard him talk all year long, which I guess says it all right there. Wow. Uh, but I guess for me, for Cook, for that being his very first action, is you know what I mean, a a, a game. Um, you know, a, a live game, everything's moving a lot faster and he comes out and looks, you know, relatively poised. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a pretty cool sight to him. So I guess, you know, hats off to hats off to cook and the, and the way he prepares, you know, mentally and kind of gets himself ready. So hopefully a sign of things to come. I was pleasantly surprised by cook. I mean, I have to admit it. And, and that's coming from someone that is, is definitely quite the Connor cook detractor. I mean, all throughout draft season, um, just kind of going through, um, you know, all the college football scouting and all that stuff. Connor Cook is a quarterback I was very, very low on for both on and off the field reasons. I mean, I thought he was quite erratic. I just, I really didn't like his chances of success at the next level. And then there was all the stuff about his personality. I mean, just to put it simply, a lot of, a lot of former players, a lot of media people pretty much alluded to the fact that the guy might be kind of a D bag. And, uh, he was just someone that I, I, didn't even think the Raiders would consider drafting. And then Reggie McKenzie trades up in the fourth round and draft him. Um, so, I, I, like I said, coming from someone that's been quite a cook detractor before he was even on the team, I was pleasantly surprised by his performance. Um, thought he did a lot of good things. He made several pretty impressive throws. Um, as Ryan said, he, he looked poised, which I thought was maybe the biggest thing that, that surprised me is you know, to, to get thrown into the fire the first time that you even played in the regular season in such a meaningful game with your team trailing, with Carr getting hurt, then McGloin getting hurt. I mean, that's a lot of pressure to deal with just to come in there, and I, I thought he handled it pretty well. Um, so as far as maybe grading his performance, um, I would say maybe a C-plus because I think the, the one thing, uh, the one pretty bad thing is just his his penchant for turnovers seems worrisome I mean he had one fumble that was lost he had another fumble that the Raiders luckily recovered he had an interception and then he had a second throw that was that probably should have been picked off um, and those are major mistakes that that could cost the team in the playoffs if they continue but a lot of things going forward and I, I'm actually much more confident in, in him being the backup quarterback next season than I than I was before the game started you know, I actually had a chance to see Connor Cook play uh, last season in East Lansing. I was in Michigan, and I was pleasantly surprised. I was actually, I, I liked that that draft. Um, you know, I, I liked that the Raiders selected him. It was obviously, uh, you know, to cut in line and uh, kind of kind of bone Dallas, but <laughs> Dallas lucked out. So, um, you know, yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised by how 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 poised he looked. But before we switch over to, um, you know, the playoff game against Houston, let's spend a little time talking about the, how the defense performed against Denver. Uh, Ryan, 
Was this the last straw for the secondary as far as you're concerned? Like, is it time to rehaul this whole group? Like, maybe outside of Carl Joseph? I feel like we have this conversation every season um, and every week, basically. But are, are we done with the secondary? Yeah, for me, man, again, uh, said it last week, just like you alluded to the week prior to that, probably the week prior to that and all the weeks prior to that. Um, you know, it, it's 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 return on investment for me. Um, again, probably where expectations lied, especially for a player like Sean Smith. Um, and I know, you know, we had James on last week who I thought brought up a really good point as far as, um, you know, he's being asked to, to drop further back. He's not allowed to press in the line, which is what he is. He's a big body physical type. So you kind of question that, throw it, you know, chalk it up to, to scheme and, and his, his viability there. But, um, you know, that aside, there was a, there was a fact, there was a stat that was tweeted out earlier this week that um, Sean Smith get, has given up 999 yards this season. So uh, there, there's definitely, there comes to a point where you, where you stop blaming it all on scheme and you realize, okay, uh, you, you, you watch him play. He, he can't run um, and, and he's just, he's just inconsistent. So is he a bad player? No, but is he the player that we thought we were going to get? Uh, probably not, uh, at least not for me. Uh, Emerson, again, I talk about it all the time. He got paid. Kudos to Reggie for trying to lock up talent and stuff like that in house. Uh, probably, probably not living up to that up to that money either. So, so again, I'd be a little disappointed if McKenzie didn't go out and try to maybe sign a cornerback in, in free agency or two, or um, looking towards the draft if he didn't try to come away with with at least a cornerback or two uh, in the first four or five rounds or so. For myself, with the secondary, um, I mean, Sean Smith has has been bad, but I, I definitely am. Um, I'm definitely in the in the group that thinks that he's really just completely being misused because in the times where where he is used as he's supposed to be used as like a press cover corner and when he's not asked to match up on guys like Travis Benjamin or Tyreek Hill, those types of receivers, I mean, he really doesn't get cooked in – he doesn't really get cooked in, in those types of situations. I mean, every single time that we see this guy giving up plays, it's because he's playing – six, seven yards off of the wide receiver, or he's probably covering someone that he shouldn't be covering um, as far as a matchup goes. So I don't really think we need a rehaul of the secondary. I think the talent is there. I'm definitely in the boat of Reggie Nelson, I think, being a a pretty low-quality player. He's kind of got that knack for turnovers, but that's about it. Uh, But, I mean, I'd be okay with Sean Smith and David Amerson coming back. It's just a matter of, I think, them not being used properly. Um, Because even in spite of of some of Ken Norton Jr.'s um, deficiencies in in regard to the secondary, they've really improved largely since the first half of the season. I mean, the the secondary was for maybe the first half of the season dead last in yards allowed, and and they've really turned the corner, and they're actually, as as a group, up to 24th. I mean, obviously still not great, but they've they've made some strides when when they're used properly. So, like I said, I don't think we need a complete rehaul. Um, I'd be very curious to see, first and foremost, what happens with, with Ken Norton Jr. I think if we can get a coordinator in here that that understands what Sean Smith is and, and uses him like that, um, then, you know, perhaps uh, his, um, you know, we can get that return on, on value. So, um, you know, I don't want to be too, too critical of, of the play on the field, um, you know, for that reason. Now, through two games, Mario Edwards Jr. has been on a limited snap count. He hasn't really made much of an impact. Uh, Nick, is this a disappointment to you or should the fan base – should they have like tempered expectations to begin with? I think it's a little bit of a disappointment just because you want to see a player of his caliber based on what we saw in his rookie season. You want to see him come in and, and make at least some sort of impact. Whereas these first two games, he's, he's been mostly invisible. There, there was a couple of plays where he pushed the pocket and made an impact in that regard. But he clearly, as of right now, still doesn't have some of the leg drive, um, some of his strength back, some of his conditioning back to to really make an impact. Um, especially in the second half, I, I ran the game back and noticed that in the second half, he, he definitely just kind of seemed tired and out of breath. And I think that's just a, foot, a football-shaped thing, and, and that's going to take some time. So, um, you know, all things considered, um, you know, maybe a little bit of a disappointment, but not too much just because – expectations should have been tempered. I mean, if anyone coming in thinking that he's going to play week one and, and pick up like right where he left off, I think was was really just foolish and, and, and expecting too much. I'm going to go ahead and echo everything that, that, that Nick said pretty much. Um, you know, nothing nothing really too 
too crazy or, or poignant to add other than, I mean, I know for me coming in, um, obviously the lead up to, you know, his return, the fan base was obviously very hopeful um, because again, Edwards when healthy is a very talented player. Um, I'd probably go as far to say he's absolutely, absolutely a, a difference maker on the field. Um, but again, coming in, I know we, we discussed it on, on earlier pods in the season. I know I had question marks about his, his health and, and, and how he's going to hold up. So uh, to miss that much football for, and, 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 you know, and to just jump right back into it, as, as, as Nick, as Nick alluded to, you're obviously going to have to, you know, dust off the cobwebs and kind of, and kind of find your way, you know, back, back on the field to, 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 to the level that he was playing at. So um, just a bit, I'm not going to say learning curve, but just, you know, kind of getting back into it. So uh, maybe we'll see a, a player that's ready and, and elevating his play once more this, this week against Houston. Yeah, I mean, the Raiders need to have Mario Edwards Jr. get his legs back immediately because for the last two weeks, they haven't recorded a sack. Um, how much of a concern is that headed into the playoffs next weekend? Or this weekend, I should say. Yeah, I mean, um, I, again, with with Carr sidelined, I think um, the kind of the narrative and the storyline coming into you know last week and, and obviously looking ahead to the playoff game, the storyline was, you know, the defense needs to, you know, quote unquote, step up. They got to put the team on their back. And that obviously, you know, you're obviously talking about guys like Khalil Mack, Bruce Irvin, um, and hopefully a healthy and effective, you know, Mario Edwards. Um, so for me, um, definitely, definitely a concern. Um, and because uh, it's it's really now, it's really now or never, literally. Um, and this team needs the defense now more than ever. Yeah, it's it's definitely for me now at, at this point a, a concern, um, the lack of, of production from the pass rush, just because of, of what's at stake. Um, I think with Derek Carr at the helm, you know, with the comeback victories, uh, you know, maybe they they get a little bit of a pass, but with with Matt McGloin first in there and now Connor Cook in the call, I mean the 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 defense and, and the team in general really need this pass rush to to step up. Um, in order to to win this upcoming game here in Houston, and when we saw against Indianapolis and we saw against Denver, those are two weak offensive lines. Um, so to not get a sack in either of those games, you know, maybe just one you can kind of consider a one-off, but two times in a row, um, you know, a little bit of a, of a concern because now you've kind of got this this pattern developing of of you know where did the pass rush go? Because before that, what was it? It was like ten sacks in four games or, or something along those lines. They really started clicking, and now all of a sudden they've disappeared. So, you know, hopefully in, in this rematch against Houston, um, you know, we we can have them get back on track because you know they, you know, we definitely need it if, if the Raiders are going to somehow advance to the next round. Obviously, most of the talk uh, about the Denver game has been negative. Uh, so let's try to switch that up. Uh, what were were there any bright spots on Sunday? <sighs> There's, I mean, maybe a couple of best. I mean, it was rough. I mean, if you get beat twenty four to six, there's there's really not many positives to uh, to speak of. Um, I would say the the play that Amari Cooper had, that touchdown he had, that was that was really impressive for him to make that catch and and tiptoe on the sideline, take a hit and reach for the pylon. I mean, that, that one play was, was pretty, uh, pretty impressive. Uh, Malcolm Smith, I, th- I thought had another really game. I mean, we talked about him last week. I had mentioned that he was directly responsible for two turnovers in the Annapolis game. And then coming out against Denver, he, I think he followed it up with a, a quality performance and, and run support, um, and in coverage. And then, uh, Brendan Trawick, um, I think was a nice little surprise in his first defensive snaps of the season. It came in week 17 when we already had Carl Joseph hurt. Nate Allen got hurt. He's in concussion protocol. McGill, not a good football player. And, and Trawick gets the call. He had 10 tackles and an interception. And I thought he looked uh, pretty good out there. Uh, surprising considering he probably has had very, very little reps as uh, actual safety all season long. Uh, so that was good to see. And then I think Marquette King probably has to be the last one. I mean, he punted eight times, which is ridiculous. You never want your punter to punt to, uh, to have to punt eight times. But he had almost a 60-yard average, I think, which is just ridiculous. He was he was really booming punts up in uh, up in Mile High. Uh, but yeah, not not too many not too many positives overall. Now it's all but confirmed that Connor Cook is set to start the game against Houston this weekend. Uh, because of Matt McGloin's shoulder injury. Now, let's say hypothetically for a second that Matt McGloin was healthy. Would you still go with Connor Cook? 
for me, man, I mean, absolutely. I mean, if, if I was sitting down, if I was Del Rio, man, and I was sitting down uh, looking at tape from last week, and I just saw the, I just saw the series like we talked about earlier, where he fucking, where he aired it out high three times in a row, man, and missed a wide open Cooper. I would have, I would have turned everybody. And said obviously, 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 Cook starting. Um, so again, even if, uh, even if McGloin finished healthy and maybe he turned around, maybe he didn't, but, uh, I mean, you, you saw the way he came out, man. He it's, it was, it was, it was, it was sad. It was sad. So for me, uh, close that, close that chapter, moving on, see what, see what Cook's got for you. Now, obviously expectations for Connor Cook this weekend can't be the highest, but what would you guys like to see out of him? Like, what do you want to see Connor Cook do this weekend uh, to ensure that the Oakland Raiders are successful. I think I think the game plan's got to be similar to to what it was, um, you know, with McGloin coming into the game. Um, you gotta you gotta rely on your run game. Talked about it earlier. They didn't do that last week, so hopefully that hopefully that changes. But uh, specifically from Connor Cook, uh, just want to see him, you know, uh, continue to play poised uh, and just try to limit just try to limit turnovers. Um, you know, it, it sounds simple. It sounds cliche, but, um, you're obviously not expecting him to, you know, air it out deep or, you know, put, put the team, you know, on his back or, or win with his arm, whatever the case may be. So, uh, just play smart, control the football and, and hopefully just hand it off, uh, every, every play, every other play. I just want to see no turnovers. I mean, that's really about it. As simple as that. I think Connor showed, um, in the Denver game here that he can make some throws, um, you know, given the opportunity, uh, it's just the the turnovers seem like quite the concern. Like I said, with the the one last fumble, the the one other fumble that the Raiders recovered, the interception, and then the pass that Tilly probably should have picked off. Um, those are four plays that would you know completely flip a game upside down if they were to uh, you know repeat themselves. So number one, I mean that's really the only thing I I really care to see is just please do not turn over the football in a game where the Raiders are going to have to need as any points they can get in order to win the game because you know neither team might not even make it to twenty points. You know any any differential um, in the turnover battle that is positive or negative um, is is really going to make the difference in the game. How do you think uh, Musgrave should call this game this weekend? I think it should be kind of the opposite of, of what the narrative has been. Um, for example, what it was with the with the Denver game, um, and here's why. And, and and again, what that is is pretty much everyone said it going into the Denver game, establish the run, run the run the ball 30, 35 times, and really get that going. But just like Denver knew that is exactly what was going to happen and they were loading the box eight, sometimes nine guys in the box, Houston is going to do that same thing. They're going to put eight guys in the box. They're going to put nine guys in the box sometimes, and they're going to do every single thing they can to stop the run. And if Musgrave chooses to run the ball 25, 30 times, facing those that, that type of front and, and this kind of defense with, with some of the players they have on their end, I think the run game is going to perform exactly how they did against Denver. So what I would like to see Musgrave do just to kind of counter that, I'd be really curious to see you know what he would do if he goes empty, just goes five wide. They come out here with an eight-man front or, or nine in the box, and then the Raiders come out five wide in shotgun. And then um, the Texans are either going to have to burn a timeout or they're going to have to call a little bit of an audible and you're going to have linebackers lined up on wide receivers and you're going to have mismatches so i want to see musgrave just counter that with a little creativity you know don't just if they're sending the nine man nine men in the box don't go out there and call a run up the middle because you're not going to do anything you know let's go four wide let's let's spread the field out a little bit spread out the defense and then if we can get a little bit of success in the pass game then i think we can start to, to pound the rock once the texans aren't you know using these eight nine guys in the box anymore so i, I would like to see the opposite let's let's establish the pass game i mean the texans are going to give the raiders passing opportunities they're going to give them under routes slat routes quick routes all that stuff they're going to give it up and, and be content to do so so take advantage of that from the beginning and then once you have some opportunity then then start to establish the run after that so i, I want to see i want to see it happen in reverse this, this week to be honest uh, I've never seen a throw that Connor Cook uh, hasn't tried to make, you know, for better or for worse. So I, I think that that um, strategy actually works. You know, I think that Connor Cook wants to throw the ball. So we'll see how it goes. But have we seen the last of McGloin as a Raider? Yeah, I mean, dude, it's uh, again, I think it was kind of it was his future to kind of write. 
uh, with this with this game in the shoulder, you know, and and and, and the game on his shoulder. So uh, just came out flat again. Unfortunately, got hurt. But um, yeah, I I don't see why uh, McKenzie would go out of his way to kind of keep him around. Um, again, they got Cook, uh, who's already shown perhaps more promise than 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 Matt. Matt McGloin and I imagine they'll end up, you know, adding a veteran this offseason or even perhaps drafting someone else again. So uh, for me, n- no reason for 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 Matty McGloin, Moxie McGloin to hang around in the East Bay anymore. I think that not only have we seen Matt McGloin's last game as a Raider, but I think we threw I think he threw his, his opportunity to be a starter away um, in the offseason. I mean, he was going to be an unrestricted free agent headed into the offseason. And I think with the quality performance here in week 17 and uh, if he would have been able to repeat up uh, that performance in the playoffs with uh, another quality showing there would have been a bad football team out there that would have given him a starter contract I'm, I'm very confident in that I mean there's some teams out there some really dysfunctional team I mean the team on the other side of the bay I think probably would have signed Matt McGloin to a nice little contract had he had a big day uh, or, or not even a big day just a quality performance so yeah I think not only is he done as a Raider but I think he also threw his opportunity to, to be a starter um, somewhere out the window I think that we're all in agreement that the run game has to be successful uh, in order to help cook out. What do you expect from Murray, Rich, uh, Richard, and, and Washington uh, against this Houston front seven? Yeah, I think this. I think this Houston team um, it isn't as good as a defensive unit as Denver, who's arguably the best or one of the best in the league. But I think Houston's built, uh, you know, in, in a similar mold. Um, so they're going to come out with the same game plan. You know, Nick kind of alluded to it before. Um, as frustrating as it's going to be for for fans, um, they teams now see obviously with with no car, they're going to make whoever's under center, whether it's Cook or or, or, or McGloin, they're going to make them beat them with their arm, load the box. So um, again, it, it's it's going to be it's going to be a tough run um, for for guys like Murray and 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 the two the two rookie backs. But um, in order to get Cook, you know, going and help you know bail them out in a sense. You got to You got to You got to You got to kind of force the issue and pound and pound and keep pounding. So, in addition to Houston's stout front seven, uh, they also have a talented secondary. Um, Cook is probably going to need his wide receivers to step up. Who do you think has a bigger game, Cooper or Crabtree? I mean, I think we heard uh, again Cooper's uh, post practice or previous to practice comments today or yesterday whenever that whenever it was um he wants the ball man cooper cooper wants the ball he wants to be the guy he wants to eat um and kind of you know help you know close that gap so to speak so for me uh i'm looking at amari cooper not only because he's been a little more vocal about it perhaps uh again i just think he's obviously just the the better the better receiver too so so maybe this is the week where he uh you know you know kind of breaks the 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 subpar streak that he's been on I'm going to go with Crabtree. I think he's going to have the bigger game. Uh, Cooper, but seven out of eight games now, he's had less than 60 receiving yards or maybe even less than 50. Um, So it's been quite a long rough patch at this point even when when Derek was healthy um that that rough patch was kind of continuing so you know all of a sudden with Connor Cook in the helm I, I don't see I, I don't expect that to change. Um, whereas Crabtree, I think he acts more as a as a fail safe. Uh, not only for Derek Carr, I think that's going to continue with Connor Cook at the helm. I, I think Crabtree is going to be that kind of go to guy on third and six if you need to move the chains. I think he's going to look to Crab direction as opposed to to Cooper's, and maybe even the red zone. I mean. Connor Cook's seen games. He's been watching. He knows what Crabtree's been doing with some of these fade routes and some of these touchdowns that he's put together um, as a red zone target. So I I expect Crabtree actually to be a little bit more heavily leaned on than, than Cooper. Well, on the other side of the ball, Houston Texans just announced that Brock Osweiler will be starting instead of Tom Savage. Is this a good thing for the Oakland Raiders? Actually, I, I do think it is a good thing to have the, the starter back as opposed to the backup just because, I mean, we know the deal with Brock. Uh, good beer pong player, bad football player is, is basically <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly is, is how to sum him up. So he's more turnover prone um, from, from both a interception and a, a fumble ball security standpoint. Um, and I think he's, even though he's, what, he's six foot seven. You know, as we know, he, his arm isn't that good. His, he doesn't have the arm of a six-seven quarterback. So I, uh, I for one, am quite happy that it's going to be Brock uh, as the starter because um, he he gives the Raiders the best chance to win. 
yeah, I got I got nothing really additional to add to that. Um, you know, both these quarterbacks aren't very good. So um, I, again, I, th- I think it's a it's a better matchup. Uh, you know, we talked about it last week. You know, matching up against Houston versus you know another another uh, another team. Um, so hopefully, you know, hopefully it kind of gives the defense a push that it may need at this point. So no debut from Glock Osweiler, as Houston is dubbing him. <laughs> is that what they're calling him these days? Yeah, the Glock. Oh, anyway, so, uh, Lamar Miller had 24 carries for 104 yards and a touchdown in the Mexico City game. Uh, are you guys expecting more of the same performance from Lamar? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think Lamar's been, you know, for the past couple seasons, um, he's kind of been that guy everyone's been talked about, you know, wherever he's been hasn't hasn't been getting the work that he's really that he's really, you know, deserved. Um, it was kind of more the same in in Houston, you know. Um, but again, I think he's I think he's a really good running back. Um, so again, I I would expect nothing less than you know, kind of what what he did uh, in Mexico City. So um, you know, again, comes all comes back to the defense. Hopefully, they're up to you know stop the run and. Amongst amongst other amongst other concerns, I think it's gonna be a, a bigger day for Lamar than it was the first time around. Um, did you say Dylan? I think you said, or if you didn't, but it was twenty four carries for one hundred and four yards and a touchdown the, the first time. Yep. Yeah, these two teams met. Um, so I I expect the, actually an even bigger game uh, because. Osweiler has been pulled and, and now he's back. Um, I don't see them relying on on Osweiler's arm all that much which which means that I think they will be relying on the run game even more so than they did the first time around um and this is a game whereas the Texans were leading from from into the fourth quarter with Derek Carr at the helm I think that means that they probably have a, a pretty good chance to be leading once again this time around and you know if they got the lead they're gonna look to run the clock out get that run game going um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Lamar with close to 30 carries. And if he gets that many, I mean, it's going to be tough to hold him to lower production than he had the first time around. So, you know, not to be too pessimistic about it. I hate to do that, but it's like I said, he's, he's a talented back. This defense seems to be struggling to, to hold it together right now. So I think it's going to be a, a long day of, uh, of them watching Lamar run, uh, you know, kind of do as he, as he wants. Now, in the first game that I have dubbed Sicario Part 2, Fedorowicz and and Hopkins combined for 11 catches for 140 yards. How should the defense approach these two knuckleheads this time around? So in this one, I don't know if if there's really much that this defense is going to do differently or that they should do differently. I mean, yeah, they combined for 11 catches for 140 yards together. Um, Separately, though, I don't think it was necessarily that big of a game for either, particularly Hopkins. um, And and three or four of his catches in the first game came against DJ Hayden, who he just really made look silly. Um, So this time around, you know, if if he can get matched up on Emerson or if Sean Smith can be used properly, um, I don't see him having a bigger game than he did the first time around, um, especially with, with what I was just talking about with I don't think they'll be relying on Osweiler's arm as much as they did the first time around. So, it, in fact, it might even be a quieter game for Hopkins uh, than it was in the first game. Uh, Fedorowicz, um, you know, we, we've got this tight end problem that, that surfaced again this season. Uh, but I, I don't think he's going to be wrecking shop necessarily. I mean, he might get four or five catches, 60, 70 yards, but... I don't think it's going to be damage that's going to, you know, be the end of this defense or that's going to, you know, allow them to surrender 30 points or anything like that. So just try to limit the big plays is I think really all it is. Um, They're going to give up, you know, chunks of yards here on these underneath routes, but just don't get burned for a long touchdown. And I think the defense um, will uh, be, I think, okay. Yeah, I think uh, I think the news that I've that I've been reading today was that Carl Joseph is going to going to push to to start and play obviously with with Nate Allen in uh, concussion protocol so he he may or may not help us with our with our tight end problem again uh, Carl's been outstanding you know closer to the line of scrimmage and a, a fantastic tackler still kind of working his way through some through some coverage issues so we'll see how how his presence uh balances things out um and as for as for Nuck man he's 
still knock. Obviously, the quarterback play is probably going to hamstring a little bit, as 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 Nick alluded to. But uh, for the Raiders, uh, there's no DJ Hayden on the field, which uh, which which probably helps out in this case. So uh, I guess you know. Uh, right around what they did last time, uh, you know, probably probably sounds about right for me. Maybe maybe Carl kind of helps out with the with the tight end situation a little bit. Jadavion Clowney was a problem in their first matchup with Menelik now starting at right tackle instead of Austin Howard. Will things be different this time around? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think a lot of us, um, you know, especially towards you know the end of the season, uh, were more or less pulling for. Uh, Menelik Watson uh, again uh, to to uh, Raider, Raiders analysis point. Ted Teddy uh, said, you know, Austin's a, a fine tackle, serviceable on, on most teams, but but just cannot you know find his way around the AFC West again. Uh, Clowney's not an AFC West opponent, but he is a but he's a really good pass rusher. So um, you know, uh, I guess we'll have to kind of wait and see. Uh, hopefully, Menelik can stay healthy for the entire game and kind of put up a fight. Um, so again, I know Clowney had a had a pretty pretty uh, unreal performance versus the Raiders the first time. So maybe, maybe he's just kind of got a thing against Oakland and he, maybe he, he pops off again, or maybe Menelik, you know, shows up and, and it's a, you know, stonewalling him for the most part. So it's, it's, it's going to be a very interesting matchup. I think Clowney probably is going to be in line for another big game. Um, even though Menelik has, has been clearly better than, than Austin Howard, pretty much any time he's tipped on the field this season. Um, it's just a matter of Clowney's athleticism, I think more than anything else. Uh, Menelik will probably be able to hold his own in, in, in some regard, but Connie's just going to be too big and too fast to to not be disruptive. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him, um, you know, making plays uh, once again, especially with with Wade Phillips back there. I mean, he's going to be able to put this game plan together to to probably limit what Connor Cook can do in, in the run game, and, and Connie's going to be a big factor in that. So. Um, so would it, wouldn't be surprised at all if Clowney had just as big of a game as he had the first time around. Uh, AJ Boye had an interception uh, in their first meeting, and I know he's Ryan's favorite dude. Ryan's been preaching about him all season, basically. You've got him. You've been eyeing him as a potential Raiders acquisition in the off season. Is it best to avoid targeting him altogether on Saturday, uh, even if he's covering Cooper? I mean, I think it's going to be a really interesting matchup. Uh, AJ Boye is playing some unbelievable football. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, obviously Texans break the bank for him or, or get real real close to doing so. I'd, I'd be surprised if he if he hits the uh, the free agent market. Someone as young as he is and able to cover the way he covers. Um, obviously, those those kind of cornerbacks are 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 highly sought after. Um, but again, I think this week this weekend is going to be uh, potentially the Amari Cooper game. I kind of I'm kind of pushing all my chips in the middle of the table as far as uh, Amari Cooper goes. Um, he's been vocal, which is the first time I think I've ever heard him really speak out and kind of ask the ball or, or kind of tell the reporters what what he wants and, and how he wants to go about his business. So um, I, I'm putting a lot of faith into Amari Cooper, uh, even though knowing that, you know, uh, AJ has been playing some unbelievable, you know, cover lockdown type type cornerback play. So. It's going to be a really, really good matchup. All right. Let's talk uh, keys to the game. What is the number one thing that the Raiders have to do, absolutely have to do, on Saturday in order to win this game? Nick, you go first. I am going with the cop-out most obvious answer here. Um, I I think so, at least. Uh, It's completely on Connor Cook's shoulders. Um, like I said, we saw in the Denver game, we can try to rely on the run game all we want, but the other team knows that. So it's unfortunately not going to be that simple. Um, so the ball is going to be placed squarely in the court of Connor Cook. So let's say if we can put up 250 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, uh, something like that. I I'd actually think the Raiders win this game and move on to the next round. Yeah, for me, I guess I'll go the other direction. Um, and we kind of chatted about it a little bit early on in the episode. Um, for me, uh, I'm going to put it all on the defense. Um, Khalil Mack, 52, has to take over. Uh, hopefully, Bruce Irvin, uh, you know, kind of kind of shows out the way he's been he's been doing the past, you know, few uh, few uh, football games to to kind of close out the season. Um, really need 51 and 52 to to kind of force turnovers and really rattle whoever's under center for for the Texans, whether it's Osweiler, uh, Osweiler or whatever the case may be. Um, and hopefully, you know, Reggie Nelson comes up with one of those timely uh, interceptions. Um, again, it's just just kind of force turnovers, and then hopefully get points off turnovers. Um, whether you know, if, even if it's only just you know settling for for a field goal. 
who are the X factors in this game? Give me one for each team. Ryan, you start. I'm gonna stick with my um I'm gonna stick with my uh kind of defensive theme here. I- I'm gonna go again fifty-two for 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 the Raiders on, on defense. Khalil's gotta absolutely take over. Um and on offense, um I'm gonna go with um I'm gonna go with one of the one one of the running backs. You know, it could be it could be another big Jalen Richard, you know, breakout type type party. So I would like to see him kind of, you know, kind of catch the ball and kind of get get loose out of the out of the backfield. Um, as far as the Texans, um, I'll probably, you know, probably pick on uh, AJ, AJ Boye again, going to, going to see what he's able to do against, you know, a wide out, like, like Amari Cooper and on offense, um, put the, put the spotlight back on, back on Lamar Miller, um, who could be in line for another big game and, and could poss- possibly put, put it away early for, for Houston. I think we all know, you know, obviously the, the one X, X factor for the Raiders is, is Connor Cook. I mean, that goes without saying. So to maybe take it a little bit of a different direction for the Raiders, um, I, I'm curious to see what kind of performance Clive Walford is going to have. Um, just maybe operating if, if Crabtree is, is going to be fail-safe option number one, you know, maybe Walford is going to be that, that fail-safe option number two on some of these short you know short routes um using him up to seam on you know maybe little curl patterns and and whatnot and uh on the defensive side for the raiders uh Klomack is 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 one that ryan pointed out you know obviously he can single-handedly take over a game we've seen him do that several times uh so they definitely are going to need him to do that here once again uh but just to to throw another name out there even though you know we already talked about how mario edwards jr should have fan base expectations tempered a little bit it's it's do or die time winner go home um and i think he's gonna have to to really get up to speed here quickly um push that pocket because if he doesn't then osweiler's gonna step up and irvin and mac aren't gonna be able to get around the edge for a sack so mario i think really has to get it going this week uh for houston probably lamar miller i mean he's the easy choice but if, if the Texans have a lead, um, he's going to be leaned on heavily. I said earlier, I think he could have close to 30 carries. Um, and if he does, and if he has a big day, then this game's going to get out of hand, I think, pretty quickly. And uh, for, for defense, um, I mean, they, they have several guys, really, that, that stand out. Uh, Boye, Kareem Jackson, Clowney. Uh, hard to pick just one, but I, I want to see Clowney versus Menelik is, is what I'm most anxious to see uh, since we didn't get to see that the first time around. Um, so I'll, I'll go with Jay Davion for their uh, defensive key. Before we get to the prediction time, it's your last chance to apply the famous Just Blog Baby hex. What do you guys got? Uh, I don't know. It's, uh, I feel like we've, we've lost some of the mojo just because of, of what happened with uh, with Derek. I mean, we were talking about for, for weeks how we've had to kind of change our mindset from a you know, what can go wrong? You know, is this t- season too good to be true kind of mentality? And then that's exactly what ended up happening. It all, it all came crashing down. But, you know, outside of that, I think we've, we've held strong. Um, I think T.Y. Hilton just kind of bent the curse, but I don't think he broke it. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and apply the curse to Lamar Miller. Um, I think he gets to 30 carries, 130 yards, two scores. Has a big day, and I think he allows the Texans to get the game out of hand. Uh, so, Ryan, what do you what do you think? You with me on on Lamar Miller? Man, I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of with you on like the the state of depression, bro. Like, I I mean, I, we were having so much fun with the hex, man, and then uh, I don't know one 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 fibula kind of kind of turned it all the opposite direction. Um, nah, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it could be, it could be a really, really big game for Lamar Mill. That's how, that's how things are kind of, are kind of stacking up and, and he might even try it out there and kick a field goal. <laughs> kick a field goal. <laughs> All right. Give me your predictions. I'm going to go ahead and edit the Sarah McLaughlin music in the background here for when I get my prediction, because I don't think it's going to be a good one. Uh, I mean, I, I hate to, to be pessimistic here, but I mean, just got to give my, my honest thoughts. Um, you know, we saw what this team looks like without Derek Carr and it's a six point performance. Um, Connor cook, you know, even though he flashed and, and looked decent, um, the energy was just really down um across the board for the whole entire team offense and defense um and i I don't really think that's going to change too much um unfortunately i mean i would love to say that i think the group is going to come out 
fired up, chip on their shoulder, we can win this, playoffs, rah-rah kind of thing. But, you know, if they get down in a 7-0 deficit, and I said this on the last podcast, the thing I was most interested to see was what kind of energy the team is going to have if they find themselves facing a deficit, if they're going to rally back, and they didn't. They completely caved in. So, you know, if that happens once again, I, I mean, I, I definitely am worried that it's going to go south once again. So I'm going to go with a 24-13 loss. Uh, the Texans move on, and we uh, we once again go fishing. Man, that shit. Uh, that shit's some real, real, real depressing talk, man. But um, nah, I'm right with Nick, bro. It's uh, it, it, it's it's gonna be an ugly, ugly loss again. I think. Um, again, going back to Derek Carr and the drop off and all that. Um, man, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Texans. Uh, let's see here, Texans. 17 the Raiders nine Sebastian grabs three field goals and uh and I probably throw up before the third quarter and probably do some laundry (laughs) or something like that yeah my my really only prediction is going to be that I'm going to be just crying after the game eating bonbons on the couch listening to some Nickelback that is the (laughs) (laughs) the only prediction I I think that's going to be completely (laughs) accurate after the game you know I uh think we're going to hit the trifecta here because uh I I don't have I don't have Oakland winning either, but I don't think it's going to be a low score of seventeen to nine. I think Oakland gets blown out, man. I think they uh, I just I I don't I don't see it happening. I think Connor Cook's going to be just in over his head. He's going to have a rough day, and uh, Houston's just going to be all over Oakland. So I will say I'll say twenty eight ten Houston. Oof. You know what, fellas, we. We used to be such a lively bunch. We were a fun group <laughs> once upon a time. We were having a good time on the podcast. We were laughing. We had guests on here. Everything was all on well. The Raiders were 11-3, and three and, uh, and times were good, you know? And, and look at us now. We are, we are a sad, miserable group. It's it's rough though, and and hopefully, I mean, hopefully we can we can do one more podcast after this one if the Raiders can pull out a victory and we can somehow do another preview podcast as opposed to jumping into some of the offseason stuff but man i don't know it's uh it's 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 going to be an uphill battle how funny is it that the oakland raiders are 12 and 4 and we sound like we just had to bury our pet dog you know what i mean like (laughs) we're so depressed but no one saw this at the beginning of the season no one saw this in the offseason you know i think i had the raiders going nine and seven maybe ten and six and uh you know, just listening to Raiders fans, you would think that we were four and twelve. Yeah, it, you know, you'd think that we were two and fourteen, and it, it's just, it's just funny. It's funny how that works out. Yeah, and it is, and it does feel like that. And in in this case, I I really don't even think it's a matter of like an entitled fan base that that feels like twelve and four is a disappointment because it's not. I mean, this is has been pretty much of, of my lifetime that I can remember the, the best Oakland Raiders football season that there's been. Um, so I just kind of want to make that very clear that the season has been absolutely fantastic and, and complete success for 99% of it. Um, it's just that, you know, bad luck happens sometimes. I mean, football is a cruel sport. The football guys are cruel and, uh, you know, it hasn't broken our way for these last couple of weeks. And I probably shouldn't say broken my, my apologies there, <laughs> but <laughs> it's i mean it's tough to have to to go through this um it just that it was just ripped away from us in in the fashion that it was is is kind of what makes it so unfortunate but you know actually one other thing i wanted to say before we before we wrap up here i mean how strong is Derek carr's mvp case i mean we saw him for for 15 games put together top-notch mvp level play and established himself as a top candidate and we probably saw in one game without Derek Carr compared to the 15 games with him just that one game without him might even prove how valuable he is more than that the, the other 15 games did you know i'll be curious to see at the end of the season how many first place mvp votes that this man gets um because uh, he's he might not get it this year but i said on a previous podcast you could take it to the bank he's locking up that mvp award in 2017 Nah, man, I'm over here. Uh, I'm over here depressed, and uh, I just, I just want to go to bed, man. It's just <laughs> this is this is this has been an emotional roller coaster, boys. It's, it's, it's sad, and 
I guess I guess we all got 2017. So <laughs> all right. Well, the season's not over yet, uh, but this podcast this podcast is so that'll do it for this this episode of the Just Blog Baby podcast. You can follow us along on Twitter at Just Blog Baby. Uh, go ahead and subscribe to our iTunes account, uh, Spotify, SoundCloud. Not Spotify. Not, not Spotify. Spotify. <laughs> I, I do that every week. Every single week. <laughs> Don't not Spotify, um, but all the other ones. And go ahead and shoot us good ratings. Um, you fellas, have anything else to add? Man, I I bet our podcast ratings, just like the Oakland Raiders season, is tanking. <laughs> Based on these last couple episodes, oh, God, uh, I mean, the last two in particular, just because of, of I feel like how depressing it's been. Oh, I, mean, uh, I know, man. I'm trying. To, I'm trying to liven it up, but go, you know, we'll uh, we'll see you folks next week. Peace.